If Saint George killed a dragon, why is his day so boring? Answer me this, answer me this. Is Britain's Got Talent still worth ignoring? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. We start this episode of Answer Me This by tempting fate. As we did in episode one. <laughs> by inviting Martin to contribute in any way. <laughs> hey! Remember at the time we said, oh, well, if we don't mic him up, then he'll just mutter away in the background. <laughs> no, we're tempting fate by reading the following email from Scott from Long Island, New York, mm. United States of America. He says, a few years ago, I wrote into one of my favourite podcasts and had my email read out during the next episode. I was ecstatic that they had picked my email to read, only to have my heart broken the next week when they announced their podcast was cancelled and that was their last episode. (laughs) They simply couldn't top that climax of their podcasting careers. You should be flattered. Fast forward six months, says Scott, and I wrote into a different podcast and had my email read on their show as well. Mm, Promiscuous podcast uh, correspondent you are. Well, you know, he had to find something to fill the heartache. It was like a rebound Mm. podcast. (laughs) Uh, uh, Again, I was honoured to have been chosen and wouldn't you know it, the next week they announced that their podcast too was no longer going to be making new episodes. No, really? I can't help but feel like the kiss of death for podcasts, so I've written to you because I hate your show and I wish you'd (laughs) stop doing it. Ollie, answer me this. Will you tempt the gods of podcasting, risking the life of your show, and read my email on your next podcast? Yes. And and oh. I say yes because I've always been per- a person who's done that. I once wrote on a slip that I put into the Wailing Wall the mm. words Kesara. <laughs> I'm like that man. I'm rock and roll. I used to get chain letters and then ignore them. Oh! What? And you're still here and I'm to still tell here. the tale. I'm still here. You could be outrunning death. And when it comes, it will come with the power of a hundred ignored chains. Maybe, yeah. Mm. So you look at Scott's email and see it as a challenge rather than as a prognosticator that answer me this 289 will be our last. Yeah, exactly. Come and get us. Scott says, I sometimes listen to answer me this for hours at a time while at work and end up speaking with a British accent for the rest of the day. Oh, I wonder which of our accents he apes, though, whether it's our home Martin's, county's Ollie or Martin's with a bit yeah. of Midlands twang. Oh, Telford yes. is obviously the accent that any New Yorker would um, want to Oh, it's uh, very emulate. sophisticated. I'm going to go down to 42nd Street to get myself a hoagie. <laughs> get out the, the sidewalk and trying to get myself a latte. <laughs> well, Scott also has a question. He says, Ollie, answer me this. Why are conventional world maps always situated with the Northern Hemisphere on top and southern hemisphere on the bottom. Who said that this was the correct way to picture the Earth? In space, there is no up and down. So couldn't the maps be inverted and still be correct? He's right. You could... If, flip the whole thing. You could flip the whole thing, yeah. And yeah. it could just be a picture of the Earth upside down as we would see it here in Europe. But it's European, it's European explorers, isn't it? Exactly. So the compass itself was a European discovery uh, in the 1200s, and that points magnetic north, plus uh, Europeans... Uh, were quite egocentric about this discovery and indeed the empires that they founded around the world. So, uh, yeah. you know, why not make, why not put Britain and Europe at the top? And also on a purely practical point, when you're looking at, say, a globe, there is a lot more land mm. in the Northern Hemisphere than the Southern Hemisphere. So it's a lot easier to see when it's at the top. So I'm very sorry, Argentina, mm. but it's going to have to go at the bottom of the globe. The original lyrics to the song from Evita, Sorry of about that, Argentina. <laughs> the top of the globe is for Europe. <laughs> that will hurt more than all the Falkland stuff. <laughs> Except, of course, the early maps. A lot mm. of them uh, placed the east at the top. Yeah, but they were clueless then. They thought that if you went far enough, you'd fall off the edge of the earth. No, but these are people that knew about the world being round. Right. Uh, but they deduced that because the sun rises in the east, mm. that it was more likely that would be at the top. 
Yeah. There's always method in the madness. It's just our northo-normative ways. Mm, exactly. It's interesting, though, that people have accepted the status quo, really. Like with the Christian calendar, I guess. People still have their own local version. Still a big deal, obviously, like Chinese New Year, big deal. Yeah, or but, Weibo. Yeah, but they're still <laughs> indeed. But they're still aware, and really, the international one is the one that is favoured in the West and in Europe, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's strange that it's not just mm-hmm. cultural imperialism. People seem to have just accepted it. Yeah, the up is up. The up is up, yeah. Hi, Helen and Ollie. It's Jackie from Swindon. Um, I've just sat down to watch some TV, but there's nothing really on the TV I fancied watching. So I've gone on to, to um, Sky On Demand and had a look under their box sets, and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll watch something, a bit of comedy. So I'm just flicking through the box sets under comedy, and I've noticed they've got one born every minute under the category of comedy. So... Helen and Molly, I want you to answer me this. Is One Born Every Minute really a comedy? Because I didn't think it was very funny when I had my baby. Well, I mean, you know, a lot (laughs) of films are listed as black comedy, aren't they? I think often when you see something listed as a black comedy, you think, oh, that probably won't be very funny then. They'll probably be full of pain and other people's misery. And yet Mm. you're supposed to find some uh, existential... uh, enjoyment in watching it i have to confess that since you mentioned one born every minute a few episodes ago i still have not watched it because it sounds like an absolute bloodbath Mm. along with all the other fluids that uh, fall out the human body during uh, these times yeah Uh, but it's a reality show i mean all reality shows are kind of fun i mean all documentaries well not all documentaries i guess there are ones about the holocaust that aren't but most documentaries have elements of humor in don't they because life has elements of humor even when bad things happen but then you wouldn't necessarily categorize them under the five seconds of humour that there is in mm. ten minutes of screaming childbirth. So surely it should be under reality or documentary. Although the algorithms often go a bit askew. I get some extraordinary things through Netflix, which I know is notorious for thinking up categories, but I've, I get things like strong female lead based on a book or visually striking cerebral foreign dramas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think podcasts actually as a genre are directly responsible for this uh, continuous blurring of uh, boundaries of what can be considered comedy. Oh, really? uh, if you look, and I'm not, uh, not looking close to home here, uh, but if you look in the comedy charts, Welcome to Night Vale's in there as a comedy. Uh, really? Steve Wright's Big Guests is in there as a comedy. You think, oh, I, I could do with a laugh. I'm going to listen to Alan de Botton talking about his new book. I mean, that's just weird, isn't it? Comedy has broadened. I think it's more that the subcategories haven't been developed yet because you've always said uh, this show shouldn't be comedy. It should be bants. bants. It should be badinage. Yeah. It should be uh, repartee. Yeah. But those have not been established. But one born every minute, that is documentary or factual I or think reality that, TV. I, yes, no, I think they have made a mistake, basically. They have. And I agree but, that sometimes the algorithms are mad. Spotify does that with me. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you listen to the Spice Girls, you should try Modest Mouse. If you like Tom Waits, why not try Vanessa Carlton? <laughs> well, if you liked that badinage, you will like this question from Damon from Minneapolis. Who Let's says, not make promises we can't keep. <laughs> uh, I was recently on a first date with a guy making small talk, as one does. You see, we're all in long-term relationships, Damon, where you don't have to speak to each other for days on end. Damon's date announced that when he was a child, the dentist pulled eight of his teeth in order to make room for the rest of his teeth. What? His smile looks fine now, and I asked him a bit awkwardly as I was reeling from this information, does everybody have the same number of teeth? He had no idea, but he has a nice smile now. So I didn't mind that he didn't have the brains. (laughs) In fact, upon further inspection, with my eyes and tongue, his mouth seemed totally normal. So, Helen, answer me this. Does everyone have the same number of teeth? And if so... How many? No, they don't all have the same number of teeth. 
Really? Some people don't have wisdom teeth. Some people don't have, like, molars and things. I thought we all had wisdom teeth, but they just didn't grow in everyone. Sometimes they're not there underneath to start with. I have a baby tooth still because there isn't an adult tooth there to force it out. Yeah. Is it any good? No, it's rubbish because it's been in my mouth since I was a baby. Is it noticeably of less lesser quality than the rest of your teeth? Yeah, it fell apart to overuse. So what what happened with it? Dentist spackled it back together. So you so it's half baby tooth, half artificial teeth now. Yeah. That's fascinating. There it is. What do you reckon? Wow. Yeah. Sometimes you wish we were doing a video podcast. This surely is one of those moments. <laughs> Next week in my mouth. Uh, <laughs> bits of food. Uh, so often genetics will play a part in one having fewer teeth. Sometimes people have got more. You know, sometimes people have teeth like growing over their frontal teeth. Like Cheryl yes. Cole used to have. Yeah, my best friend at school had that and he had to wear braces for about two years and he had to dribble everywhere and it was all very unsightly. But it was quite cool having fangs, I think. Fangs, As an adult, I yeah. quite like having fangs. It's would just, you? Yeah. You could probably get them um, screwed on, but then people would think that you were going for something vampiric. Yes, and I would not be down with that at all. The rest of your face doesn't look very vampiric at all. I can't think of many um, nerdy Jewish-looking vampires in the popular sci-fi what happened, genre. What happened to all the uh, nerdy Jew vampires? Well, eh? uh, <laughs> it is a, a sitcom waiting to happen, though, isn't it? Yeah. So Seth, Seth Rogen has a vampire. Actually, that, that, that is going to happen, isn't it? That would it? work, wouldn't it? Yeah. Once they get through all the stoner comedies, that'll be the next thing. Yeah. Dad Apatow's horror films. Anyway, mm. uh, the the usual number of teeth is <laughs> in an adult is 32 teeth. But it does make sense that if you had too many teeth, the dentist would have to wrench out eight, which is only two on either side, top and bottom. Maybe there were baby teeth. Maybe the baby mm. teeth hadn't fallen out, but the other teeth were coming through and the dentist didn't want them sprouting all over the place. Oh, so he yeah, took out the yeah, teeth yeah. and that would mean he had a normal number of teeth, wouldn't it? Well, I know it, sometimes it's easier to do a job lot. They do that with, with cats, I know. Really? Yeah, the vet said, because Coco's teeth are not great at the moment. Oh, Coco. But, but she's 11 years old. So you said she was nine years old a couple of weeks ago. I know, it was a shock. We looked at her birth certificate. She's oh, 11. Yeah. You didn't even know your own cat's age. You missed her 10th birthday. <laughs> and Double figures. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's big, 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 big moment. Are you sure Coco hasn't been shaving a couple of years off her <laughs> age just to appear more youthful? Anyway, uh, they, they tried to give us a toothbrush to brush the cat's teeth with. Oh, good luck with that. Yeah, not easy. Mm-hmm. It's a little finger puppet that you dip in salmon-flavoured toothpaste. <gasps> oh. A finger puppet to brush your teeth with. Yeah, if someone Absolutely did it with amazing. me, brilliant. Yeah, I'd love some salmon-flavoured toothpaste oh, on a finger oh, puppet. No, that's making me Really but as an owner, very difficult to do with the cat. So, uh, so we said to the vet, "Look, you're gonna, you know, you, you're probably gonna have to do it if she needs her teeth taken out." And he said, "Well, what we tend to do is wait till like all of them are going rotting, and mm-hmm. then we put them under anaesthetic and do the whole job lot because a cat just won't let you do it." And, and so, you, so basically, a cat can go from having a full mouth of teeth to having suddenly no teeth. Can you imagine how traumatic that oh, would be? I'm just gonna <laughs> kill all those mice. No teeth, I know. Yeah. To be honest, I'm less worried about teeth than the kind of chat that is coming up on Damon's first dates. I think that's quite sweet, though, in a way. It shows, doesn't it, that they're being open with each other. They're not feeling embarrassed about their own inadequacies. They're talking about their childhood. Talking about matters of health, Mm, though, that's what what old people do when they're on a blind date. (laughs) Maybe Damon is old. He hasn't mentioned. He does mention that he's got 28 teeth, though. (laughs) Uh, It's so long since any of us have been on a first date that uh, this is all a foreign land. Maybe tooth talk is all the rage now. (laughs) Maybe on Tinder, that's how things are decided. (laughs) It's very big on uh, Tooth Grinder. Hey. <laughs> Molar. If you've got a question, email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com.
Here's an email from a long-time anonymous fan, uh, which begins as if they're pitching us a sitcom about their crazy life. Awesome. She begins, Originally from London, I have recently moved to Australia. One's a city, one's a country. You think they'd know the difference, wouldn't you? Yeah, but the population is roughly the same. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. And I found myself in a number of love-slash-sex-related pickles. Sex pickle. Like I say, sitcom. Uh, Luckily, (laughs) however, over time, these pickles seem to have resolved themselves. But I've been left questioning the morals or attitudes of men in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, Two examples for you, and uh, they're long examples, listeners, but uh, bear with it. It is totally worth it. (laughs) Example number one. On Christmas Day... On Christmas Day. (laughs) My 40-year-old housemate invited me to swing with his partner. Oh, that's not traditional, is it? I I certainly don't do it in my family between the crackers and the cheese, but you never know. (laughs) It's it's sunny in Australia, so maybe they're not all thinking about how many layers of clothes they have to wear just to get by. Uh, This was after a day of merriment barbecuing, yeah, that's what they do in Australia, isn't it? And playing in the sun, yeah, fuck you, (laughs) sunny life. Uh, Thinking about how nice it was to have found a surrogate family. Mm -hmm. Yes, I pictured this couple a bit like mum and dad. I really felt at home with them, despite being so far away from my motherland. Bottom line, I didn't want to have sex with either of them. So I told them I was flattered, but not interested. He told me to think about it. I haven't seen them since. Are you still sharing a house with them? I was wondering about that, yeah. <laughs> presumably she moved out, which would have been awkward on, on Boxing Day after that proposition. Maybe it has just been pure coincidence. Yeah, I haven't been in very much. <laughs> have you had any time to consider my offer? <laughs> I feel a bit awkward sometimes... Just asking my housemates if uh, they need me to feed them or anything. Mm. I'd never even thought to ask them to join sexual partnerships. uh, I've been staying here many nights over the past seven years. Not once has this conversation come up with you guys. What am I doing wrong? There's a multi-stage interview process. (laughs) It's going to be an away day. It's like the knowledge. (laughs) We make you sit through a number of practical exams. (laughs) Well, example number two from this anonymous contributor's exciting, racy, pickly life. Mm. Uh, One night at work, after meeting a friend's boyfriend who confided that he was massively depressed and wanted to commit suicide, Mm -hmm. I received a text message from a new recently married friend asking me if I was looking for a friend with benefits. On reading the text a second time, I was sure he wasn't inviting me to partake in some post-marital team bedroom fun times and that this friend action was of a singular fashion. In absolute shock and confusion, I decided not to text back. Very classy of you. Thankfully, the next morning, I received a voicemail apologising profusely. Would you have done that if this had been your text or would you have just pretended it didn't happen? I think I would have waited till I saw them face to face and somehow pretended that it was a joke when I sent it. Yes, you should have said, whoops, that text was meant for my new spouse, of course. Actually, that's not a bad idea, is it? That's a reasonable, yeah. But we're not advising this fool. Yeah. Uh, He was drunk, he said, at the time he sent the text. With my mind preoccupied about my depressed friend, uh, this suited me to a T. I haven't seen him or his wife since. You're really getting through these Australians, aren't you? Yeah. Anyway, she continues, I recently went to a wedding and was kissed by the bride's best friend, a woman. It was lovely, unpretentious and unexpected. And she's not married to someone or... Yeah, and she didn't ask to tag team you. And she's not ruining Christmas. And you weren't living with her. 
and there was no suicidal conversation involved. No. Um, since then, I've not been able to stop thinking about the possibility of switching to the other team. I've done some subtle investigating by questioning my housemates and the bride about her, and no one has mentioned anything about her being gay or bisexual. Maybe they don't think it's it's worth putting labels on things. Mm, I reckon they don't know. Because you, if you've asked, if you've been investigating and you say, so what's her personal life like, and no one said that, then they don't know, do they? No. Yeah, but if she just said, uh, so uh, tell me more about this woman, is she a strong swimmer? Yeah. <laughs> Where did she go to school? I think that would be a crap investigation if she's interested. We don't know if anonymous woman is good at investigating. All we know is that she's good at being put in awkward situations through no fault of her own. Not having sex with married men. Yeah, maybe. Which, just, is, a, which is an unusual yeah, skill. Good yeah. for you. I thought she was going to say, I went to a wedding and the groom asked if I wanted to participate in some extracurricular play. With some people do just have one of those faces that attracts this kind of scenario, though. I've worked with people face. who are like this. Yeah, someone oh. who just constantly, every day, came into work with a story like this. Oh, it must be really annoying when you're just trying to get on with something else. Anyway, back to the yeah. uh, bride's best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, she lives four hours south of where I currently live in Australia, which in Australia is probably just the next house along, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and uh, I'd love to take her out for a drink or dinner and get to know her more. But how? Helen, answer me this. Should I tell the bride that I kissed her best friend, running the risk of outing her if she hasn't told the bride herself, and ask the bride for her number? You could ask for her number without really elaborating on what it was about. I you, think that's exactly right, yeah. Why do you need we, to even say yeah, that? Yeah, we got on really well, yeah. and um, I'd like to catch up with her. What about Facebook? Yes. Yeah, just looking up her wouldn't, name. Wouldn't yeah. that be easy? I assume that she's already tried this, but maybe she really is uh, hopeless at well, this kind of business. Well, you, you assume correctly, Helen, because her second question is, should I try and befriend her on Facebook yep. oh. whilst avoiding at all costs to stalk her online? So what, that's her concern. What does, what does it matter if you're stalking her at your end? Because she probably won't know. Yeah, also, she kissed you. She's interested, isn't she? Yes. Even if, even if she's never done it with another woman before, and even if it was a one-off... I don't think she's going to consider that you're stalking her if you've already had a romantic dalliance of some kind. No, and I'm friends with people on Facebook that I've worked with many years ago. Mm. I don't consider that stalking, it's just uh, saying hi. Although, do you occasionally have a friend refresh where you go through the list and think, right, time for a call? Yeah. Don't know that person really, met them at a yeah. party once. How often do you do that? Um, well... Whenever you post something. <laughs> <laughs> and yet I remain. <laughs> um, I do it about once every six months, but I don't actually action it more than about once every three years. So every six months I look through this and fantasise about who I'd like to not hear from again, but I don't have the balls to say <laughs> You could just put them on a civilians list mm. rather than the A-list. Uh, anyway, yes. Uh, I think we are saying, yes, you should try and befriend her on Facebook. But What's she's, the problem? She's got other questions. Uh, should I perhaps ask the groom for advice? Well, you haven't told us anything about the groom. Mm. So if you ask him for advice, he might try and stick his dick in your face. Yeah, well, inevitably, your, yes. Track He's a man. How could he help himself? That's not very nice. It's not her fault that all these men want to bang her. Married no. men specifically. Yeah. Recently yeah. married men specifically. It's them. It's, it's their problem, not hers. <laughs> Maybe she thinks, though, the groom will know the bride's friend well and and she doesn't feel as much like it would be a confidence betrayal if the bride's friend is not out as gay or bi if she talked about the groom rather than the bride. But mm. I, I think leave the groom out of this. It's not He's not relevant. Get the woman's contact details, leave everyone else out this process and either invent a pretext for being four hours south or say, hey, do you fancy uh, a weekend up where I live? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, do you fancy going down south? Oh. <laughs> Which would be direct. Well, um, I, I'm not good at the innuendo like you are, Ollie. <laughs> or, Helen, answer me this. Should I stop being such an English prude and just take whatever I can get? What does she mean by that? Does she mean, should I be saying yes to all of these 
swinging offers yeah, with housemates. It does and kind of mean that maybe actually, in retrospect, figures. she kind of thinks, well, maybe I'm missing out by not giving these exciting ideas a go. I think they're sort of balanced, aren't they? I mean, the, 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 the guy who was in the partnership, presumably his wife, who mm. was asking about swinging, presumably yeah. his wife knew about that, so that's yes. not duplicitous, but no. it's putting you in a very awkward position if you're living together. I think the uh, issue with the people that have offered it to her is the fact that she doesn't seem to fancy them. Yeah. You know, mm. She was seeing the housemate as a father figure. Yeah. And I think, sure, give things a go if you feel that they're morally okay and you're actually attracted to them. But otherwise, I don't think it's prudish not to do things that your body doesn't want to do. I think it's interesting, actually. I've never really... Like, people have said to me before... I mean, hypothetically, they haven't invited me into a threesome. They've said to me before... Well, the offers are going to come rolling in after this episode, though. (laughs) Would you be interested in having a threesome? Mm -hmm. And I thought, "Mm, maybe. But I've always thought about it from the point of view where I'd be inviting someone. I've never thought, what would I do if a couple came to me and said, would you like to be in a threesome with us? Mm. Because you've then lost the power there, haven't you? It's Mm. not your decision, you're being approached. If someone approaches you as a couple and says, would you like to swing with us as a couple? It's a bit weird. I'm not into swinging. But I'd think, okay, fair enough. That's how swinging works, isn't it? But a swinging Mm. couple saying, join us for a threesome, it's two against one. You're in their house. It's a bit, you feel a bit... Trust and vulnerability, isn't it? I I have been invited. Have you? Many years ago. and Um, With a couple? Yes. Ah. And I felt a bit like I'd be the person holding the towels or something. (laughs) Just like a prop. And uh, A a lady and a man couple? Yeah, it was a lady and a man. And Was it the lady who invited you or the man? It was kind of both, but I think the man was driving it. Yes. And that's the other suspicion that I think people have with these things, isn't it? That it is the man driving it. Well, I think even had the woman been driving it, I would have been happy saying no. Mm. Because... I don't feel cringeworthy about having turned them down, but mm. I think I would have had I participated. I was very young at the time and it was not suitable. Uh-huh. Were they sort of father figure types as well? Well, he was nothing like my dad. Because <laughs> <laughs> of course, if he had been, you'd been straight in there. He was 35, which right. at the well, time, so yes, because, because I was is, a teenager. Yeah, that is like a father figure thing. Yeah, but now it's not. That's the age of my husband. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But at the time... Anyway, this uh, crazy Australian uh, love pickler continues with a, with a postscript. <laughs> um, yesterday was the bride's birthday, and I was invited to sit next to the only other single person at the dinner celebrations, a gentleman. Do you think they were trying to set you up? Yeah, possibly. Mm. Uh, he told me that when we have sex, he would like it to be on a canvas covered with bright colours. See, that's much better <laughs> small talk than how many teeth do you have? <laughs> um, I told him this was a bit full on, seeing this was only our second meeting. Yeah, I think it's a bit presumptuous, isn't it? Yeah. Not save if, it for, but when. Yeah, save it for the third meeting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At least at least say, do you like art before you get on to that? So, Helen, answer me this as well. What in <laughs> hindsight should I have done? Should I have told him to fuck off loudly, make a scene and tell him not to be such a presumptuous prick at the risk of upsetting or offending my new group of friends? The thing is, in retrospect, it's easier to pour over these scenarios and think, hmm, what would I do? Ooh, strokey beard, what would I do in this? But actually, someone just springs on you. Do you want to have a threesome with us now? Mm. Or do you want to have I want to fuck you on some canvas? <laughs> I mean, that's... It is... I appreciate that you're being put on the spot and actually retrospective advice isn't going to help you in the future. I think maybe you need to fire at that person some really boring practical questions like who gets to keep the canvas afterwards. I think maybe you need to involve the rest of the people at the table so mm. it rather desexualizes it or turns it into a massive orgy, which seems to be the kind of thing that happens when you're around, anonymous lady. Well, this is it. She, her final question of these uh, seemingly 900 that she's asked us is that why does this kind of nonsense seem to happen to me? And I, mm. I, I wonder whether there is something a bit sexual in the way you interact with people and perhaps it's unintentional. Yeah. Yes. But if, you know, we're hearing case study after case study here, I'm not 
not blaming you for no, people approaching you. We're not victim blaming. Exactly. But I am saying if you 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 must you, have been quite flirtatious for mm, this to keep happening. She to might you. just be very good looking. I think good looking people often don't get approached because people assume they won't be interested. Yeah. Or if they if they would be interested, they're the kind of people you take out for a nice meal. They're not the kind of people you screw on uh, some paint or uh, yeah, invite into a threesome. Not, not people like us who just have to take what we can get. <laughs> but there are people who are not classically beautiful, but they are very... Alluring. Hot. hot. Mm. Yeah. So Stop she might... being so alluring, woman. Yeah. She's God. probably just a bit dirty, isn't she, is what I'm trying to say I in a nice way. I don't think she is. I think she just might... Yeah, well, I think she is. I'm getting it just you from her email. Not... Will you sleep with me? <laughs> My girlfriend doesn't mind, I swear. Um, but she seems so innocent in her email. Do you think she's saying, maybe I should stop being such an English prude because she thinks maybe this is part of the national character to be a lot more forthright? Yeah, I think she does think that. Right, OK. I mean, you would, wouldn't you, if this was your experience travelling to Australia and suddenly everyone is trying to involve you in sexual liaison yeah i remember when i went to australia people were very chatty got into some great chats on say buses mm. nobody propositioned me the other option is just it could be part of their directness but not that she could sort of adjust her her response to it to go i shouldn't be offended by this but it's okay for me to say no That's, actually yes yeah. because when she says in this email should i have just told him to fuck off i was thinking yeah. no as a british person you can't say fuck off yeah, but actually yeah, yeah. yeah an aussie going fuck off Fuck I'm not off, having mate. sex with you tonight, mate. I ain't gonna really not. you. Yeah, actually, yeah. that's fine, isn't it? It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so respond to what may be the national character with elements of the national character. I think character. that's right, yes. I think that's the solution, actually. Possibly you are being daunted by Australian frankness. It's not about yeah. British uh, prudeness, necessarily. But obviously, if you do find yourself tempted, then might as well go for it. You're in Australia now. <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> it's obviously a very hedonistic place. <laughs> Should we take an intermission, Helen? I think we should, Ollie. This week it is brought to you by episode 47 of Answer Me This, which you can buy at answermethisstore.com. Except no substitutes. Apart from iTunes, which is, <laughs> which is fine. We just get less money. Yeah. We've also had a slightly dirty uh, fan thing for Helen as well, Ooh. from a man called Kevin Halliday, who's 42 and three quarters, <laughs> and he lives in Bisley in Surrey. So if you want to track him down, it should be pretty easy with all that information we've given you. And his social security number is... <laughs> Uh, he says that he loves it when Helen says the C word on the show. That's the thing that gets which, him which, going. Which word's the C word? Um, cauliflower. That's the cabbage. <laughs> cauliflower. He loves it. <laughs> Apparently that gets him going. Oh, God, that makes me feel sullied. I just feel that's a weird thing to write in and tell someone. Oh. I love it when you say that word, say that word, say that word. Are there female listeners who like it when I say the man bit? Wang. Stop it, Ollie, Wang. it's too much. Wang. I could have just got someone off then. We, we didn't set ourselves up to be uh, sex symbols, but uh, what a happy byproduct of this podcast. He, he's good. <laughs> <laughs> Neil from Crawley in West Sussex has written in to say, here's a $64,000 question. At today's exchange rates, that's what, like a... It's about £40,000. Yeah, something like that. Question? Yeah, okay. it's not yeah. bad, is it? I'd take a question for that money. Anyone is welcome to give us that money. Yeah, there's a donate button on our website. Anyway, he says, Ollie, answer me this. Yes. Where does the phrase $64,000 question come from? Mm. It seems a strange number to choose. Yeah, okay, well, first things first. I mean, I know that most people, sort of certainly kind of 40 plus, will find this very obvious. Uh, but for the younger people listening, the phrase $64,000 question comes from a TV quiz show called The $64,000 Question. But... What a lot of people might ask is, why was it called the $64,000 question in the first place? Is it like a sort of who wants to be a millionaire? Thing? Yeah, but why 64000 Martin? Why not a nice round number, like 50000 Well, Because uh, we're is... operating on base eight. Base, yeah, it's a multiple of two, isn't it? Correct. That is the right answer. It's two to the power of N. So, 
the $64,000 question was based on a radio format, right. which was called the $64 question. $64? Yes. Okay, that's a much lowlier prize. Although, confusingly, the original title was Take It or Leave It, which okay. essentially is like deal or no deal, isn't it? Which shows yeah. you some things never change. Uh, but anyway, the original was called the $64 question after some time on the radio. And that's because on the radio, uh, it was money, price fund that was doubled from $1 upwards for every question you got right. Up to so, a whole $64, yes. which I appreciate may at the time have actually bought you something. Well, in fairness, I think it actually went as high as $512. Ooh. Um, mm. But... I think the $64 was the crucial question because that was the point at which you you risked losing everything you'd amassed so far. Um, So that was the radio format, hugely popular radio format in the 1950s when it went to telly. As always, it tells you everything you need to know about TV. Everything's bigger on telly. Yeah, they're like, right, well, we need to make this literally a thousand times big. (laughs) Um, So they turned it into the $64,000 question. So the questions were worth $1,000, $2,000, $4,000, $8,000, $16,000, $32,000, and then the top price, $64,000. Wow. Um, So, yeah, big deal uh, in the 1950s. Big deal would be another good name for a quiz show. Yeah, it would, actually. Mm. Um, So that, in modern money... Uh, they reckon was worth about $560,000. That's how much they were giving away in the 1950s on TV in the States. So that's like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire almost then. Exactly. Um, And and that's why Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was a big deal in this country was because we'd never had a show like that. Yeah, we'd had shows where you could win a dictionary or a cup. In fact, I think one of the highest prize funds ever by the mid-1990s was on a British version of the $64,000 question hosted by Bob Monkhouse in which they gave away... £6,400. Primetime ITV, that used to be a top prize. That's just not as catchy a title, though, is it? The £6,400 question. Well, (laughs) that's why they kept the American title, I assume. Um, But actually, even in the 1950s, ATV did bring over uh, the format and do a British version. They called it the $64,000 question then as well. Uh, But the top prize then was even worse, Helen. It was 64,000 sixpences. Um, so, <laughs> so, Why not just 64,000 pence? So you could win 1,600 pounds. <laughs> and then later, uh, in a very exciting move when the show proved very popular indeed, they doubled it to uh, 64,000 shillings. Oh. It just seems so insulting. I mean, I kind of picture at the end that the winner is just buried under their winnings yeah. and suffocates. <laughs> Imagine if you went on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and won, and Chris Tarrant was like, mind if I give it to you in coppers? <laughs> if it was 64,000 lira question, mm. then that would only be about a 30 quid prize if you were playing that in the 90s. Mm. 64,000 yen. I wonder what currency now, if you were to take 64,000 of it, would mm. be the best currency to have. Pound is probably up there, actually, isn't it? Yeah. What's a, what's Bitcoin. A curr- yes. <laughs> Do- that, Dogecoin. That would be good. The 64,000 Bitcoin question is a great show, actually, because you're gambling to decide whether to take the risk on answering the question and as you're making the decision its value could halve (laughs) or double (laughs) indeed yeah that's Um, bitcoin uh, but i think that's why there was uh, still a sentimental attachment to the figure of sixty-four thousand. so that when who wants to be a millionaire uh, in the late 90s actually finally made it onto british screens um and we had a format in which you were allowed because there were regulations against it you were allowed to give away a figure as high as a million pounds on British TV. Mm. Uh, I think they had one of their questions being at £64,000. Oh, that's as sweet. a little nod to the origins of the show. It's funny though, isn't it? £64,000 question is just not a phrase that anyone uses. Right. No, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Well done, dollars, for yeah. being a phrase maker. Hello, it's Rebecca from Chesterfield. Answer me this, Helen Arley. I've always been told that if you forget your wallet and can't pay for your meal in a restaurant, then you have to do the washing up. Has this ever been true, and where did this rumour originate? Those are both very difficult questions to answer. It probably has been true at some point, but I 
don't think that that point would have been enshrined in the history books. I have a feeling. Every time. <laughs> What's that? It's pop culture, Martin. Don't worry. Right. Your life is too short. Um, I have a feeling <laughs> that this rumor probably originates from actually the, the reverse situation. Oh. So not from people who don't pay for their meals doing the washing up, but the trend actually for people who are paid badly to do the washing up. Get free meals. Then making up for their <gasps> poor wages by coming oh. back to the restaurant and eating with their families, perhaps even because they're paid so badly. You know, people who work in restaurants and I get see. below minimum wage jobs tend to get free food, right? Mm. And I, you can see how over time people are like, oh, you come here a lot. <laughs> well, you know, do the washing up because you can't afford the bill, ho-ho. Okay. I wonder if uh, that's really where it came from. I assumed it was a sort of a middle class joke that had to deal with the discomfort of not being able to pay the bill. Yeah. Oh, imagine we have to live in the scullery. But if you ran that restaurant, you would not want these fucks who are trying to swindle you out of a meal in your kitchen, which right. is busy, yeah. which is frantic, doing a job that you need to be done hygienically and not badly. And quickly. And you would have also employed somebody to do it already. Well, this is the thing. Health and safety has probably scuppered this ploy anyway. Yep. Uh, but even in the days of pre-health and safety legislature, I can imagine that people who are too incompetent to turn up to a restaurant and order food they can afford... Or too sly... ...are not the people you want handling your china. When we moved uh, from Peckham to Crystal Palace, we noticed the shift in greasy spoons from paying female before to paying after. They're very trusting in Crystal Palace. Yeah, they don't do that in Peckham. You have to pay up front. And I don't know where the line is. I'm working out whether, like, is it Sydenham, is it Forest Hill, when suddenly, like... I reckon it's West Dulwich. I reckon those gimlet-eyed bastards want people to pay up front. (laughs) The silicon roundabout's my favourite place To become a webpreneur would be really ace Like that awesome guy Tom Who was my first friend on MySpace We haven't kept in touch Get your foot on the ladder to online success Through Squarespace build a site and get a free web address Then hang around East London Until you get hired in the US Mountain View is calling Google have free buffet Thanks very much to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This and also allowing you listeners to build gorgeous websites very easily. You can just drag and drop things like a lazy person. And also they do e-commerce as well. So uh, even if you think, well, what do I want a website for? How about making money? Yeah. Big wad. Huh? You ever think about that? You set up a shop like answermethestore.com. And if you want to save money as well, you can get 10% off a whole year's worth of Squarespace by using the code ANSWER when you plump for your Squarespace account. And it is bargainous anyway. As little as £5 a month, including a free web domain name. Really? So What's wrong with you if you don't want that? So with the 10% discount, £4.50 a month. Indeed. Not bad. Not bad. The Hashtag opposite of bad. not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag pretty good. <laughs> Here's a question from Michelle in Queen Charlotte, Canada. Uh, which I hope is a place and not a person. Sounds like a pudding. Uh, And she says, uh, Helen, answer me this. What are the ingredients in a communion wafer? Mm. Uh, And where are they made? Because I love that taste of Jesus. Uh, Are they supplied free or does the parish have to pay for them? Jesus is paying, really. (laughs) And if so, what does it cost? That is a great question, which I've never considered. Okay, well, uh, they used to be made by nuns as a source of income oh mm. yes um, that's a really clever solution to an ecclesiastical problem what do nuns do to make money but also slavishly follow the lord yes make communion wafers well not anymore though because now they're just made by manufacturers oh. and um they cost around four pounds for 250 but more if they've got a fancy crucifix branded onto them rather than just a plain cross what's wafer made from the wafer is essentially made out of uh, wheat flour and water there okay. are gluten-free versions but they're not all approved by the vatican the body of Ooh. christ is what it's made out of gluten-free Martin. christ no 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 it transubstantiates into the body yes. of christ when you eat it yeah 
So, so do all the wafers that I buy. Those pink wafers. <laughs> yeah. It's trips to the ice cream shops and that method. Tonic's caramel wafer. Oh. That, that is transubstantiation of Moses. <laughs> I think I have had one once and it was just like eating a piece of cardboard. I've never had one. Um, and that's because I'm not Catholic. You're an well, I think yeah. I, was gi- I was given it by a priest off duty. He was just like, want to see what this tastes like? Well, <laughs> just standing on a street corner. I've got something you've got to try here. Um, no, I was at a funeral. I was at a Catholic funeral. Yeah. Um, and there was a queue after the funeral to go and get the communion wafer. That you sh- they should be queuing for the sausage rolls and other funeral snacks. Um, yeah, exactly. That came later. I had the opportunity to stand up and join the queue. Mm. But I just thought... I think that's where I'd draw the line. Actually. It doesn't yeah. mean anything to me. So actually, am I demeaning this symbol by pretending that it does? Yeah. You know, but 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 there were people there who definitely were disbelievers and they still queued and got their communion wafer. Maybe they were curious. I wouldn't do that. I also don't say amen during prayers. But I look like I'm involved so that people aren't insulted by my presence. Like looking around going, God, obviously I don't believe any of this. Yeah, but see, the thing is... Mm, when it's a hymn, when everyone's singing, yeah. it's a pretty song, I don't really mind. And even yeah. though I'm saying stuff I don't believe, I think that's okay because it's a communal effort and yeah. you don't distinguish. It's like people singing along to blurred lines <laughs> without worrying about the implications for but, real life. But I people think don't listen to lyrics. I'm uh, thinking when you're actually blessed personally by the priest, though, yeah. that's you saying, I want a connection with Jesus through you. It's yeah. like, and then you're volunteering for it. I want to be a cannibal on Christ. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And I don't. Not yet. Not yet. Hello, Nolly. This is Andy. Um, muscles. I've had a few muscles, but why are they muscles? They don't look like muscles. They don't look like real things at all. So what actually are they? They're just like little bits of flesh. I don't understand. A little bit of flesh is a muscle. You know, the meat that we eat is muscle. So <laughs> I can't handle what you're saying. <laughs> muscle, 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 muscle. A muscle is an animal that lives well, in a shell. It's 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 barely an animal. Like obviously, I feel that if I was a vegetarian, I'd be okay eating things like mussels and oysters because they're as much close to a plant as I think a living creature can be. Yeah, they they don't seem to have emotion, but of course you can't be sure. I think the mm. thing is though, anything can suffer anxiety. I mean, aren't there scientific studies that say that even plants, obviously, you know, develop well in certain situations, which yeah. might mean they sort of feel anxious in other situations. Well. Then what can you eat? Well, yeah, marshmallows. Nothing. Yeah, mm. yeah. It seems that the word muscle, anyway, does come from the same root as the word muscle, as in beefcake type muscles. Mm. But it was like a derivative of little mouse. So I don't know whether they looked at the little tiny nubbins that muscles are and thought that's the same shape as a little dead mouse. Anyway, the first use of the word muscle to distinguish it from the word muscle was first recorded in 1610. Who said that then? Mr. Muscle. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if Jean-Claude Van Damme was called the mouse flesh from Brussels. A different connotation to well, what we all imagine. Van Damme. <laughs> they do eat a lot of mussels in Belgium. So the being the muscle from Brussels, not insulting. Yes, I think that's probably right. It, he is his national dish. <laughs> How come Jean-Claude Van Damme doesn't do a calendar in which he is posing in a variety of mussel shells? It's unthinkable why he wouldn't do that. <laughs> Look, he did that weird splits viral video thing. Yeah. Why wouldn't he do the muscle calendar? I think we're at a stage now where Jean-Claude Van Damme will do anything for money. I mean, if we yeah. start a Kickstarter for that, we could probably get it going, but I think you'd need a million dollars. Oh. Yeah. What about 20 quid? Not sure. Mm. Not sure. 40? Dane Bowers for 40, but it's not the same. I don't want to see Dane Bowers in a muscle <laughs> shell. It's not the same. I kind of do. <laughs> I wish that David O. Russell's next film was uh, American Muscle. And <laughs> if he changed his surname to Muscle as well, that'd be amazing. David, David O. Muscle. American Muscle. They come here from Dossie Russell. Sorry, John Claude Van Damme, the muscles from Muscle. I feel like I'm delirious now. So uh, let's have this question from Erica, who says, I've recently bought a house with a large front yard, and several times a week I see neighbourhood kids playing on it. 
while I don't want to be the grumpy old woman chasing them down the street with a shovel, I bet she does a bit. My husband and I are sick of these uninvited guests. Mm. They damage the trees, they set up and leave ball game equipment and are generally nuisances. Plus, being new to the area, we don't know any of the kids who have never introduced themselves. I'm not sure the onus is on the child to introduce themselves, even though they are technically trespassing on your property. I think you have to approach a child and say, hello, I'm friendly Erica who's moved in, otherwise they'll think you're a weird witch. But their parents might think she's a pedo if she does that. Erica adds, living in Sue Happy America, I worry about the liability, presumably if uh, she runs out chasing them with spade and scaring them. So, Ollie, answer me this. How do we stop the neighbour kids from coming on our lawn without making all the neighbours hate us? Oh, you could call the police against trespassers and get the police to do your dirty work for you. I think what you do is you approach the children one day and introduce yourself, Mm. as I suggested, so that it's not weird and they know your name. Then another time, and this is a long-term strategy, but this is your house, so I think it's reasonable to invest a strategy across the season to achieve the goals that you require... A few months down the line, you approach again and you say it's for their safety that they don't come on your lawn. It doesn't matter what the reason is. We've just had our plants sprayed with this thing and I don't think it's very safe for you to play on this lawn anymore. I'm so sorry, but... How about next time you want to play on the lawn, you knock on the door and ask me. Kids won't do that because they'll be scared of you. That's a very long-winded way of doing something which could be accomplished in an instant by her putting up some barbed wire and a sign that says landmines. Without making all the neighbours hate us was the stipulation, Ellen. I think the adults might realise that that's a ploy. All right, well, if you want to go softly, softly, take out a plate of cookies that are just not very nice. Do you mean full of poison, Helen? Because again... just, you know, the kids are like, oh, cookies. And then the next time when they're playing, you bring out cookies again and they're like, oh, no, thanks, got to go home now. Oh, so every time you kill them with kindness slowly. Yes. You're relying on them to make their own decision. In fact, what you should do is uh, take out something like... Something that looks tempting, like cheese straws, but are anchovy flavoured, because that's a sophisticated (laughs) grown-up food most children won't care for. I've I've got the answer. I've got the answer. I've got, the so answer. Obvious. I've got another answer. Okay. Do what they do at Brixton Station. Pipe classical music out onto your front lawn. No child's going to want to go near that. He just said mm. them done because that would also annoy adults who didn't want to hear Not it. Not if it's so quiet that you can't hear it when you're walking past the house, but you can only hear it when you're standing in the lawn. They'll just grow used to it. I think what you need to do is cover the lawn with turds. Children don't care about that, though. Adults they do. care about that. I haven't grown up with dogs. Children don't like playing near stinky turds. <laughs> Okay. That's a fact. I think my classical music suggestion's better. Well, I think my turd suggestion was better. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it'll be a bit easier when you know the, the neighbours a bit more and you can actually just talk to their parents. That's the actual sane answer, isn't it? Why are they on her lawn? Is it because there's no other place for them to play? Because if so, yeah. then you are kind of withdrawing a service. But if they're just there because your house was empty before you moved in and they could get oh, away with yeah, it, it could be that, then, yeah. then probably you just, you just chat to their parents, go, oh, hi, oh, I've seen your little Tommy playing on the lawn. Yeah, he's playing on my lawn. Children are surprisingly adaptable, as we saw with evacuees during the Blitz. As we saw with how quickly they dropped Bebo. <laughs> exactly. Um, they won't care. You know, they'll find somewhere else to play. Um, mm. And I had this... When I lived, my first rented property in London mm. was a council flat with a front garden. Mm. The front garden had a hose pipe in it. It was the only hose pipe on the whole block. So in the summer, when the kids were throwing water bombs at each other, they all used to come wet, dripping wet and fill up their water bombs in my tap. Mm. And so, although that sounds harmless and kind of funny, when you've got literally a queue of seven children by your front door (laughs) trying to fill up water bombs Mm. to then hit each other with in your front garden, it's a bit intimidating. And um, it was really... I want to say that it was really easy for me to say, look, kids, do you mind going somewhere else? But actually... What made it worse was that the parents had trained them to be really nice. They were really sweet. So oh. they'd knock on the door and say, Excuse me, mister, do you mind if I use your tap to fill my water bomb? Oh. And then you feel like a dick if you're like, Yes, I mind. <laughs> That's my water. The temerity. In the end, what we did, and this is a bit bad, 
when we had a plumber over, we asked him to block the tap so it didn't oh. work anymore. I think that's quite a good passive way yeah. of uh, yeah. stopping the problem. Because the kids wouldn't know. You're like, oh, does the tap not work anymore? That's a shame. What, oh, well. Was the tap not used by someone who really needed it? No, well, it was It was my front garden. So, yeah. I mean, it was the landlord's technically, but he didn't care. Right. Uh, it would have been used by me to water my garden with, but not necessary. We live in England. It rains all the time. Well, listeners, if you've got any brilliant suggestions for Erica to get the kids off her land, then uh, please do get in touch. Or if you have a question, all of our contact details are on our website. Answer me this podcast.com where you will also find links to buy our first 170 episodes Ooh. from answer me this store your one-stop shop for all our old shit <laughs> um, and, well not like um, our cast off clothes and stuff and our toenail clippings well it's only a matter of time isn't it it's proving very successful um, <laughs> just and, our audio uh, old shit for now <laughs> our audio toenail clippings yes uh, and uh, in all that remains is for us to say thank you very much to squarespace again for sponsoring this episode most generous benefactors thanks squarespace uh, and we will see you next time bye, bye. bye.